episode 16, Idaho Chiropractor, two-time TEDx and new patient magnet. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're hearing Dr. Ryan Bones' perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Thanks for tuning in today. We got a great guest, Dr. Ryan Bones. He is a chiropractor in Idaho. He's going to share today how he got on TEDx two times, as well as his strategy for new patients that got him over 100 pre-booked, pre-paid his first month. That is impressive. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash one six. Travel tip is at the end of the episode. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ryan Bones, doctor of chiropractor, Cornhusker by birth, Parker graduate by uh, the luck of God. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Dr. Justin. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. You know, in our pre-chat, we were kind of saying you, you were really fired up about chiropractic, so I just got to know, what's your background? Why did you choose chiropractic of everything else, and how did it become so on fire for it? Um, you know, a lot of people think that because of the name, I had, I was destined to be a chiropractor or I, I must have had family that was a chiropractor. And uh, honestly, that's the that's couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, I come from a very long line of humble family farmers in South Dakota, rural southeastern South Dakota. And I took a charge playing basketball when I was in, I think, third grade or something um, and hurt my SI joint really bad. Couldn't play and could barely even walk. Went to my small town, town of a thousand. They had a great little local chiropractor there, um, Dr. Sheikwin, a old school Palmer grad. And he fixed me right up. I got to be playing again. I started going really regularly. Um, I w- I've always been the kid that was weirdly planning far ahead of his age. Um, and so. When I was about ten or twelve, I wanted to figure out what I was gonna what I was gonna do with my life, and so I started looking, and I, I realized that I loved people. Um, I wanted to help people. That was my big calling, and I knew that wasn't gonna be from a tractor cab. And so I started looking at all kinds of different professions, uh, doctors primarily. You know, everybody, of course. Oh, well, you should be a doctor, Doctor Bones, of course. And so. I started looking around and I realized that I didn't want to cut people up on a table. I didn't want to just see people once a year or only when they were sick. And so as I'm going to the chiropractor, I'm starting to realize that this seems to be a pretty sweet gig. I mean, this guy owns his own practice. He can set his own hours, you know, make sure that he never misses his son's baseball game. And um, he gets to help people not only when they're hurting, but when they're well and, and keeping them well and, and does so just with his hands. And I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. And so at about 12, it clicked for me that this is what I was going to do. I'm going to be a chiropractor. 12. Yeah. I was a really, really weird kid. And, um, I started diving more and more into it, shadowing in offices, um, reading chiropractic books about chiropractic. And then when I went through high school, um, I kind of put in motion some some plans to 
to be a chiropractor when I got out of college and or out of chiropractic school. So I um, spent time in offices. When I got to college, I worked as an office manager for a, a small subluxation-based practice. It was just the doctor and I. I did that for three and a half years while I was an undergrad and then went straight to chiropractic school um, and shadowed in a ton of offices, surrounded myself with mentors who had opened up their offices and very done so very successfully. Um, Dr. Viscarelli, Dr. Hess with the AMP program and, and Dr. Jason, Dr. Shea in Dallas. And so I started building a vision for my practice when I was in high school almost. And as soon as I got out, I, I put it in place. Wow. So I've, <laughs> I've rec- from the podcast that I listen to, I've recognized some of these names that you just spit out. And those are some of the big deals right now that are in the seminars. They're, they're promoting products. So that's pretty awesome that you were able to hook up with those guys as a student when, and have the, the, the knowledge, I should not just <laughs> play around in clinic and, and actually study really hard. And that's the biggest thing is I think so many students um, get get caught in the books and get their head down. And I, I agree. You, obviously, you have to pass classes and you have to pass boards, but um, you're going to. You're going to pass classes. You're going to pass boards. And it's what happens when you get out of school that all that studying is for. And so it's it's really easy to lose sight of the future and not prepare for practice at all while you're in school, which I think is a really big mistake and probably one of the ones that most most students are making right now. So what – I mean this might be trade secrets, so you know, answer how you want. But it sounds like you had a plan. What were some of the top two or three like marketing ideas you did prior to opening in school and then like when you did start? Definitely. Hey, no, no trade secrets here. I'm – I'm all about trying to help people be more successful for chiropractic so that we can help more people with chiropractic. So um, the number one thing I think that I did maybe a little bit differently than a lot of doctors now and as they open was be extremely visual on social media, Um, really leveraging the power of social media beyond what a lot of people had. And it allowed me to connect not only with my community, just on a whole other level, but also connect nationally on another level too. And so from a marketing standpoint locally, um, everybody obviously has Facebook. Everybody has Instagram for the most part now, especially my, my ideal patients are younger business, more entrepreneurial young professionals um, who definitely have those things. And so as I was going to events, as I was, uh, as I was meeting people, as I was marketing, um, it was all over Facebook. It was all over Instagram. And I really worked hard at building my audience locally in my community um, through a number of different strategies but um, and, and making sure that they saw what I was doing and how I was doing it and making sure to obviously sprinkle in the principle of chiropractic and what it had to offer throughout that. Um, and that allowed them to almost more follow my story and my journey before I ever even opened. And so that's how I built the wave of momentum that I did leading up to my grand opening, which uh, had about 250 people from the community come through in about three hours. We had, we had, a, we had a line out the door through to the street. And so um, that momentum that I built was a combination of visibility on social media being at literally every single event 
anywhere for anything or anybody in this town in the three months that I opened. I tried to calculate it the other day, and I think I went to something like 70 events in three months. Um, just I got known as the guy that's at everything, that new guy who's at everything. And so that allowed me to connect really, really quickly with people and network really quickly. Um, and that is what allowed me to launch into practice so successfully. So a couple, when you, um, when you say you did 70 events, was that pre-opening or was that the first three months? That was before I opened. Okay. So much of the legwork that I did was before I opened. And I think that's another mistake um, a lot of new offices make is that they spend time in the office making sure the blinds are the right color and <clears throat> making sure that the outlets are the right height and doing a lot of that work themselves and um, putting up the doors and painting and everything. And then they get open and hang the sign and nobody's there. And um, as Dr. Viscarelli used to tell me, your time is not best spent swinging a hammer in the office before you open. You know, there are contractors for that and they can handle that very well. Your time is should be spent in the community. And so um, I did a ton of legwork before we opened. That way I had the people lined up before we opened. We had about 103 um, pre-booked, prepaid patients before we opened. That is going to be a nice start for a career. <laughs> it was it was a nice start. It was kind of a uh, – I, I went – I, I'm a big fan of go big or go home. It's yeah. always been my, my strategy in life. I snowboard and wakeboard and skateboard and everything in between. And so I'm a big go big or go home person. Um, and so the office that I open is a, it's a, it's a big office. It's a pretty fancy office. It's got a lot of bells and whistles. It's cause I knew that this is the community I was going to be in the rest of my life. I knew that this is the office I was going to have the rest of my life that I was going to do it one time, do it right and do it from the beginning. And so I almost set myself up, set the goal to a point of where if I didn't kick out, uh, it wasn't going to work. And so I'm a, I've always been one to set goals to push myself, and um, that I did, and it worked. Where are you at? I'm in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is way up in the northern skinny tip of Idaho. Um, I'm on one of the most gorgeous lakes you'll ever find. And we're up in the mountains up here. And so wakeboarding and snowboarding heaven. How'd you pick that? <laughs> I mean, Idaho, I could barely even imagine where it's at in America. And you're like, that's where I'm going back. That's where I'm going to start my life. So great, great question. Idaho is never on my radar. Um, growing up, South Dakota, then Nebraska, then Dallas, Texas. I have family back in South Dakota, but I knew that's not where I wanted to end up. And so I had a blank map. And I had different ideas, but honestly, I think it was three months before I graduated. So September, October, um, I changed my mind, decided I didn't want to go there anymore and had to completely start from scratch. And as the story goes, I was literally sitting on the couch scrolling around Apple Maps um, in the Northwest, just looking for a lake with a town by it with, with ski resorts within an hour. And so I stumbled across what I, I didn't know how to pronounce it. Uh, there's or something. And uh, I started looking into it more, Googled pictures. Everything is phenomenally gorgeous. So I booked a ticket that night, flew up two weeks later by myself, um, drove around in a car for five days, 
and just absolutely fell in love with this community head over heels in two days. And I knew that this is where I was meant to be. And so I found my office space that trip, um, came back a month later, signed my office lease, my apartment lease, and got my business loan. Graduated 12 days after that, jumped in a U-Haul, drove up here, and started build out. So then if you only knew recently but before graduation, how are you building the social media following? Or is that, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm thinking an idea for a student who's forward thinking is while you're in school, if you know where you're going to be at, start doing Facebook. and You don't even have to live in that area, but you can start Absolutely. following people. Were you doing that or? No, not until I, not until I uh, drove there and decided that that's what I wanted to do. You're, you're right. If a student knows where they're going to go for sure, oh my gosh, start building that social media. Start building some buzz. Start posting, you know, upcoming things you're going to be at, um, for sure. I didn't have that luxury, so when I got here, it was pedal of the metal. Um, I used to think Instagram was for hipsters to post pictures of food on, and then I started seeing the power it had to share a message or tell a story, and so that's when I really dove into it. And um, I, everywhere I went, everywhere I met. I, I talk to people and I, I'd find them on Facebook. I'd find them on Instagram. And um, I think there's some weird stigma about following a bunch of people you don't know. Or like maybe it's friending or following a bunch of people you don't know on Facebook or Instagram or something. If you know that they're in your community, follow them, like them, friend them. Because when you do that, um, you're going to put your, your message in front of them. And that's a big deal to build that audience. So They want if, to know you. Yes, well, exactly. And Especially if you have good, I mean, you got to have good content. You can't just post one selfie every six months and expect people to want to follow you. So, you know, I had no, I had, I've had an Instagram account for a while. I had like 20 photos. I was like, I don't take a lot of photos. I don't know what to do with this. And then I'm like, you know, taking all these vacation photos now. And I'm like, I'm just like, wow. You put one, you hashtag it up. You got a hashtag like crazy on them. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you get these random people. You're like, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're following me from India. But hey, yep. everybody's hey. a follower. Hey, you know what? That's where you can connect, and that's the power of hashtags. Um, I I used to um, oh, I, tag, tag, tag. That was like my little slogan is anywhere I'd go. If I was at a coffee meeting with Bob, um, I would tag the coffee shop, and I'd tag Bob, and I'd make sure I tagged like whatever brand I could see, whatever, whatever. Tag everything because when you do that, you put yourself in front of their audience, especially if it's a nice little compliment. Um, yeah, oh, met with Bob. Bob was fantastic. He taught me so much. You know, he suggested I meet with Mike and tag all these people. Well, now Bob puts that on his wall. Now your message is in front of Bob's friends. And so that's a way where you can quickly multiply um, an influence in an audience. Absolutely. I was going to go into, I think you almost answered a lot of the questions I would normally ask, but. As far as um, your, let's say, clinical skills, let's just kind of go there for a minute. Are there any kind of techniques or mindsets that you're able to say that you're kind of, un not necessarily unique, but maybe you fine-tuned that have made you successful in patient communication and all that? Uh, absolutely. I would say a couple different, I could go two, two routes with that, um, chiropractic technique and communication technique. Um, I'll, go, I'll go chiropractic technique first because I think that's probably the shorter answer. And say I, I fell in love with pure Thompson technique 
when I was in school. Um, I had some some great mentors, a uh, girlfriend actually at the time that started, who was ahead of me, started taking me to Thompson Lab to practice on, and I and I loved it. I loved getting adjusted that way. So I started practicing in open lab with her when I was at, you know, try one, try two. Um, when I started, that it kind of put me ahead of the curve, I guess, if you will, with Thompson. And so I really got to dive into it and appreciate it and go um, beyond the basic uh, and had a great mentor in Dr. Ron Wells at Parker, who was an awesome Thompson instructor, um, and fell in love with that technique. I now communicate and build a lot of value in that technique here um, because a lot there's a there's a big portion of the population that wants to go to a chiropractor, loves the idea of chiropractic, is just scared by the initial crack and twist and pop, if you will. Um, which obviously if done correctly is, is amazingly effective. But when I can look at those people and say, well, actually I don't do that. Um, the technique I use is very specific. It's very gentle. It uses light drops in the table and I move one bone, one direction without that twisting or cracking people open up and they say, Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I would love to try that. And so it's really niched me in, um, in this community, especially when I combine that with the neurology that I focus on with, you know, surface EMG and heart rate variability and thermography. Um, people see it as this extremely wonderful and different approach. It's nothing that people haven't been doing before. It's just maybe not specifically here or maybe not, um, really promoting it here. And so that has led me to find kind of a niche that people really love and people love to refer to. Now um, this podcast is for more than just chiropractors. And I just thought of this. Tom, I, I kind of know what Thompson is. I mean, obviously I know yeah. what it is, but the Thompson table are the, is the, the drop pieces where they cock up and they cop down and you, uh, obviously I'm butchering it. So why don't you tell us kind of what is a yeah, Thompson so that other doctors, like maybe especially like medical doctors can be like, oh, sure. that sounds better than cracking your neck. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, a lot of people have seen drops in chiropractic um, where the table lifts up, you know, cocks up and drops away. A lot of those are pretty heavy. Um, with Thompson technique specifically, we use a special table that's pneumatic. So it's air compressed. And I just step on a strip and the table pops up really lightly, only about half an inch. And then when I make my that I weigh the table out specifically to each section of the patient that I'm working on so that my adjustment is very light, very quick, um, very specific, and I can place my hands extremely specifically um, to create, like I said, that one motion of one bone, one direction. Um, the table just drops away about that half inch and allows me to take a bone that's not moving and get it moving a little bit better to help reduce that irritation in the nervous system. And so that technique the patient just lays face down and relaxes the entire time. Um, I use neural reflexes to determine not just what I feel, but to also the body's uh, response to that segment of the spine being out of alignment. And so what that means is I look at the length of people's legs. Uh, if one leg's a little bit shorter than the other, I can take a joint, press it one way, press it the other way, and see the postural muscles reaction to that test. Um, if it brings the body a little bit closer to balance, it's the body relaxing and wanting to accept that change. If it, if it gets worse, that's that body guarding, protecting itself. And it tells me that that's not the direction we need to go. I combine that with thermography, surface EMG, palpation, all these 
different green lights, kind of different check boxes, if you will, to make sure that I'm doing the absolute best I can for that patient in that one adjustment. Um, and this is how I've been able to see results with things that maybe people haven't gotten results with before. Um, and to ensure that each, each, I guess, force that I'm putting into a body is going to be as easily acceptable, um, to, for actually to create good. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm going. Um, and so that is, that is Thompson technique, I guess, at its core is, um, using the table instead of a lot of, a lot more force. And a visual too. If they're laying on the table, there's a little, they're segmented out where the, you got a hip piece, mm -hmm. a T12 area, a T6 area, and when it cocks up, like I said, it's just half an inch. And if you're just playing around, all you have to do is push on the body in one spot and it would drop. Mm -hmm. Whether you're yeah. being specific or not specific, it would just move right. and that's kind of what's like, boom. It can drop too. Um, and a lot of people are afraid of their necks being adjusted, for example. You know, oh, I, I don't want people to twist my neck. Um, and so the way we adjust cervicals is with, again, another light drop piece that they lift their head. It raises up a little bit when they rest their head down. Um, I, the segment that I'm going to adjust again, I'm behind them. So on the back of their neck, um, we have the one segment, the one direction I'm going to turn it. The piece lifts up as I press on the back of their neck on that one specific angle at that one segment piece just drops away about half an inch. So they're face down, their spine is neutral, there's not a ton of rotation, um, there's nobody holding their head that causes people to tense up, and it, it tends to be a much more relaxing experience for people mm -hmm. than uh, traditionally manually being adjusted. But that's just all preference, and um, they're, all, they're all amazing techniques when done correctly. So this is fun. I actually had a Thompson table apparently <laughs> when I was in practicing in Colorado because it was a pneumatic drop and I just thought that's all it was. In my own experience, I learned activator in a club at like a try two. I mean, I was just the go-to guy for anything extremities yep. and activator and we use some of the same like push it one way, push it the other yep. way. How are the legs? Yep. I mean, how's the muscles responding? So that's kind of fun. I, I didn't realize you did all that. That's cool. And I, that's I guess the way I explained that is oftentimes how I explain that to patients mm -hmm. because I think one of the biggest um, mistakes chiropractic makes is not adequately explaining what we're doing, why we're doing it, and when we're doing it. And so you have people that come in and they're like, oh, I don't know, the guy, he, he looks at my legs and, and then he pushes here and then I get better. And so... When I can, as I'm doing my first adjustment, second, third adjustment, my table talk is always being very vocal about explaining what I'm doing and why I'm doing it with people so that they walk away and they can go, oh, yeah, so you know, he had me turn my head this way. Well, that made my legs worse. So when I turned my head this way, it made them better. That just means that helps him know where we need to help make adjustments. And so um, I think that education is a big tool because – We've all talked to the person that said, I went to a chiropractor once and uh, he just, he laid me down and cracked me and he said, come back tomorrow. And I had, you know, I had no reason why. That's what I'm trying to avoid. And I think that education process is a really important part of the understanding and the healing process. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And that's sometimes the, the, the weirdest part for a patient is like, you're making me look at my head and you're looking at my feet and you're like, well, it's working, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's you know? like, I don't, I don't care. It works. You have staff yet? Uh, what's that? Do you have staff at your office? I do. Um, so I started with two full-time girls when I first opened. 
because we had so many pre-booked, um, we ended up doing with once referrals rolled in in the first couple of weeks, we ended up doing 135 new patient exams in two weeks. Um, we we did seven to seven with doctor's reports at one and seven Monday through Friday, two weeks in a row. And so it was. Did they stick? What's that? Uh, no, I got sick. They did not. Get, I lost my voice. I lost my voice like a month before I opened and didn't get back until about a month after I opened. Mm. Um, but after that, I went down. Once we kind of settled in a little bit, um, I went down to one full time. And then as things are ramping back up, we are at one full time office manager, one volunteer, um, I guess, assistant CA, and then we're hiring another. So. I'm assuming you like your staff. Uh, <laughs> did you train them or did you have any help training them? How did you find out like what to do to teach them so that they are answering the phones correctly? Did you have a system in play? Did you figure that out on your own? How did you figure that out? Um, definitely had great mentors and great direction for that one. It was It's kind of a culmination of everything I've had in my experience in chiropractic. Um, from being an office manager myself for three and a half years in undergrad um, taking the systems and procedures that I liked that I got trained on and then, which, which I am now realizing were almost entirely uh, ward success system scripts and procedures um, because I, I went to ward um, seminars when I was an office manager in college. And so I remember the first time I was exp- uh, experienced a lot of that stuff, you know, I was on my way to be a doctor at, you know, 18, 19, uh, 20 years old and just really absorbed it. And so took, took that, took those principles. And then when I got to chiropractic school, that's where I got plugged in with Amped and Dr. Viscarelli and Dr. Hess and Brower and Kowalki and Sims and the whole gang and Jason and Shay. And, um, they, they have an incredible program to, well, to, to train students how to prepare for that stuff. Um, I helped start the club for Amped on Parker's campus um, and then trained myself and students how to train staff, how to answer phones, how to do day ones, how to do day twos. And so we practiced with each other um, in between classes to prepare for when we got into practice so that we could now train our CAs and train our office managers how to do those things as well. And they also have great resources that I can you know, say, hey, go watch this video here's how to handle objections on the phone. You know, go watch this video. Here's how to properly explain day one. And so um, great resources, great mentors. I'm glad I didn't have to figure that piece out on my own. I I figured enough pieces out on my own in making mistakes when I first opened. Um, and I, I would, I'm glad I got to save that piece. I did a lot of things right. I also did a lot of things wrong. And I'm, and I'm, uh, Really glad that I was able to learn from all of that to, to be to where I am. So I'm going to have two questions. So if you double back on this one. One, okay. I want to know at least one thing that you did wrong and how you fixed it. But I'm out of school maybe 10 years now. We didn't really have these opportunities like you're talking about. Is that something that you're seeing on a lot of campuses where there are a lot of people doing what you're doing? Or is it where you just kind of like the oddball there like, oh, well, you're wasting your time on practice management stuff? Um, I would say it is becoming more of a trend. It's definitely becoming more of a trend. There are a lot of great, um, a lot of great people who are realizing that students being successful out of school is best for chiropractic. 
And so they're going and investing time and energy to mentor and teach and, and pour into students like, I mean, the AMP program with all the launch events. Um, I know that Tristan with Kairosushi, who you just talked to, he they have a great goal of helping young young chiropractors, young students be more successful. And so I do believe it's a trend. Um, we were definitely oddballs on campus. Um, we we got up to, I think, about 100 students in the club by the time I left, which is a lot, which is awesome. Um, but it's still only a tenth at the school, you know, so we're still a very small population. Um, I think there's a big fear mentality around opening right when you get out of school. I mean, you have professors saying, no, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. You know, you won't be prepared. You got to associate first or, um, oh, yeah. 80% of businesses fail and, oh, it's, you know, do you know what the default rates are for students and blah, 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 blah. You're blowing my mind right now. I cannot believe that's what they're promoting. <laughs> no, it's, it's terrible because it is possible if you take the steps to prepare, they just have to take the steps to prepare. Don't, yeah, I would not encourage anyone who hasn't practiced a day in their life, um, who hasn't prepared a day in their life to go and open the doors and say, let's go. Um, that's going to be rough. But if you take energy ahead of time, then it's it's very doable. And that's actually one of my big passions and something that I, I want to try to do more of. And, and it's one of the reasons I love to speak, um, being able to speak at Cairo Sushi Summit coming up here in May. It's going to be about how to come right out of school and, and be successful and how to practice and prepare for that. And so it means a lot to me. It means a lot to a lot of people to help students be successful. So I do see it becoming a trend. It needs to be a trend because, you know, all, all the students complain about that they don't teach us business, blah, blah, blah. But then when there's opportunities and if you don't seize those opportunities, um, but there, there needs to be a movement. And I want to I say I was talking to somebody about that uh, just the other day about encouraging students, getting on campus and discussing how to prepare these kids to be successful. Because you had the experience as being a, an office manager and you, nobody can take that away from you for sure. I, that was that was a big part. I mean, that's what um, allowed me to be in a place to start that club on campus um, is to say, guys, I've been here. You know, I've had all of these questions asked me. I've answered the phone. I've cold called. I've done um, reactivation calls. I've done all of this stuff that people don't do until they get into practice and have to figure it out. You know, I've built insurance. I've I, God, I used to lick. 8 million envelopes to bill out HICFA forms because that was, that was the way we did it. And so, um, thank, thank God for electronic billing now, but, um, there, there's just a lot of experience that comes from that. And so that's why if I had one piece of advice for anybody that wants to be a chiropractor or any student, just go spend time in an office, just see what it takes to have your own practice because it, I promise you it is not sunshine and roses and sleep in and get there at nine see patients, go home at six and, and just enjoy the rest of your night. I mean, you can get to that point, but it is a lot of hard work. And when you own your own business, when you have your own practice, you never really stop working. If you go to lunch, you're going to maybe meet somebody and you're going to talk to them about chiropractic, or maybe you're out at a networking event and now you're working on, Hey, setting up connections for possibly health talk or something like that. Then you get home and you have to think about, oh man, I really wanted to do some video testimonials. We should start working on that. And just 
it never stops. Um, one of my favorite sayings is if you're coasting, you're either slowing down or going downhill. And so, um, you, you gotta, you gotta push and it takes a lot of hard work. Uh, and that's why I encourage students to get into a practice and just volunteer. I mean, there's a million things I promise that they would love for you to come in and volunteer and do, even if it's just filing, even if it's just calls, that stuff is, while it seems small, huge for you to break through the awkwardness of patient interaction, the awkwardness of putting yourself out there. Maybe it's a screening. Um, I think screenings are great to do for students simply because it helps you build that thick skin, um, gets you used to talking to people about chiropractic and communicating it effectively. I don't care if you don't sign up anyone ever. It's still an amazing practice and experience for you. And if you can do that on another doctor's dime while you're in school, all the more beneficial for, for everybody. And that was, um, I think, a great piece of what I was able to do when I was at Parker with Amped is I, I went and did a bunch of those, um, did a bunch of screenings, and they're hugely beneficial. So dive in and surround yourself with chiropractic if that's what you want to do. You know, I went through, you know, when clinic was kind of over, I got my requirements. I had six weeks to just either sit around and do nothing or go shadow doctors. So I went all over the country. The doctors were so awesome. Hey, can I come shadow you for a week? Yes, you can. And I was taking notes, you know, about their, what were they saying? What, what phrases, what kind of analogies were they using? At the end of that, I had so much information. I was like, okay, what do I do with this? And it just took time and practice to sort of weed through, you know, what works for you, what sounds authentic to you. Cause some things you can say and you're like, ah, that is not me at all. That is the truth. And that's, if I, sorry, I guess I have a lot of one piece of advice, but um, as far as being in practice or setting up your practice, that's the one I always say is make sure it is authentically you. Make sure it is authentically you because when it's not, it's obvious. The patient's going to pick up on it and you're going to be miserable trying to be something and represent something you're not. Um, and you're going to, you're going to burn out and you're going to get really tired of it. But when you are authentically yourself, you are a going to have more fun. It's going to be easier because you don't have to try to memorize certain things that you don't resonate with. You just get to talk to people. Um, patients are going to pick up on that authenticity. They're going to really connect with that, connect with you. And you're going to attract a lot of people who are right for your practice, but you're also going to push away a lot of people who maybe aren't right for you and your style. And that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, because you don't need or want those people anyways. There's more than enough people who love and appreciate what you are and what you bring to the table that you can fill your practice with them. But when you are trying to be something you're not, you're going to find yourself surrounded with people who don't, who don't so resonate. Draining. So draining. And it's, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. And so be yourself, whether it be from the way you design your office, the way you decorate, the music you play, the clothes you wear, the, the scripts or communication that you use, make it you and you'll be really glad you did. What I mean, you said you're you're not out very long. Do you remember what size your adjusting rooms are? That's a random question. I know. I know. Now you're now you're getting me. Um, I believe they're eight by ten or twelve. I think. Um, fairly good sized. We have a we have a twenty five hundred square foot office. Um, with three three adjusting rooms, two eval rooms, digital X ray, um, big. Big, beautiful family room, waiting room, kids' room, break room, two bathrooms. It it was a space that I 
literally kind of just fell bass backwards into and happened to have it work out really well for me. I didn't have to do a ton of tenant improvement. I think I knocked some holes in a wall and put up some lead. And that was about it. Um, everything else seemed to be designed perfectly. It was a sublease. A bank had lost a lawsuit and was paying to keep a space dark. And so I got to come in, save them a little bit of money, negotiated down from what they're paying for, and um, got a great deal on this space. Otherwise, I would have never been able to afford it right off the bat. But it's in the it's in the best plaza in town, and it's beautiful. Um, go to you should go check out our website or go check out our Facebook page, and you can see pictures. But um, it's a lot different than a lot of chiropractic offices. It's What's it it's called? very rustic and homey. We have a fireplace, and I play Red Bull TV and have leather couches and. Um, my lamp is a crankshaft and the table is a big like oak wood table. Um, it's just, it's a lot different. What is your website? Gobeyondbones.com. Do you wear that sweet t-shirt you're wearing to work? Uh, I do a lot actually. Uh, we're not on video. Never mind. Um, I wear this a lot. I have like mechanics shirts with the logo on it. Um, my daily attire is a nice t-shirt, jeans and boots. Because in North Idaho, that's business casual. And so um, people honestly question anybody in a suit and tie up here. Um, and so I think that's another part of that, being authentic and, and making sure that what you do is you. Well, I, it's a weird thing to say, but you, wherever you got them done, the logo's crisp, the shirt looks good, you obviously spent some money, you didn't just buy a beefy tee. You, you got a quality shirt that if you're going to make it your uniform, it's going to be uh, respectable wherever you go. And and here's a – I agree, and I did. They're also the really, really, really soft shirts that the feel like they're – uh, Yeah, something like that. They're just the really soft ones. But so here's another little thing that I did that seemed to just click and work really well for me is I got a whole bunch of T-shirts, nice, good, quality, comfortable, awesome-looking T-shirts made before I opened and I gave them out as giveaways at chamber events with, you know, complimentary exams. Um, anyone that pre-booked with me got a t-shirt. Um, and I, and I started to build this brand where you would see my t-shirt all the time at the gym. You see my t-shirt all the time around town now because it's people, it's one of people's favorite shirts. It's so incredibly comfortable. It's just a, it's like a Heather gray with the worn in logo. Look, people love it. And I now have, I kind of started a little campaign, so I have pictures of this shirt in Haiti, in Jamaica, in Australia, in Germany, um, in Canada, and all over the place. And so someday, my goal is to have it on every all seven continents. That's like that's my goal. I want a picture on all seven continents. So, um, but that the T-shirt thing seemed to just really resonate with people because they loved the shirt. Lean back a little bit. All right, I screenshot it. You'll be in Asia now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, and and the logo design i that's another thing i see <clears throat> i see a lot of kairos trying to do all their own logo design work and and that's great and i and i know you can come up with something that way i just feel like me personally i never took graphic design class i never looked into you know how to make really readable font from a distance and all the different things that graphic can they just use fiverr <laughs> I mean, you, you can, and, and that's great. I just, I invested the time to get a graphic designer that I sat down with and we designed this perfect logo. 
Um, not only just a logo, but a watermark as well. And I've heard time and time and time and time again, wow, what a cool modern logo. What a unique logo. I don't know how many times I've seen a spine in a tree with some hands by it or something. And it's, it's white noise. It really is. And so to have a really sharp modern logo was important for me because my ideal practice member was the modern young professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want my office to look anything like their grandma's chiropractic office. And so um, by doing that, people love wearing the brand and sharing the brand. And um, it's a cool it's a cool image now. It's not Nike yet, but I'm hoping someday it will be. Yeah. I'm going to throw this out here. If Fiverr's like people are like, oh, that's too cheap and they can't afford probably what you paid to get a custom like that, 99designs, I'm not even a sponsor or anything, but I've heard them so many times. You can pay – I want to say two to four hundred dollars, and you'll have like twenty-five people create really, really amazing logos. Just throwing that out there for people. There you go. That's that's sweet too. I I knew I was going to do that um, design work, so I put it in my as a line item in when I got my business loan, um, you know, under marketing and promotion. And I also worked with a local graphic designer when I moved to my community, which was a huge benefit because not only could I go and sit with her in person. But she came to my office. She put in the window vinyls. She did all the. Um, she did work in my office, putting the logos up. Um, and she refers to me constantly because she sees a lot of other young professionals who are looking for a chiropractor. And because the more people you work with locally in your community, the more people you're going to have personally and professionally invested in your success. And so. Now I have all these different relationships that want me to be successful because I work with them and I refer to them as well. And that's, that's networking right there. That's one more nugget of information for everybody. Shop local, especially if you're, I mean, you're a small business, shop local, yep. support those people because they're going to yep. in turn refer people. Absolutely. You're going to spend Every, a couple more dollars, but that's okay sometimes. I've never heard of Vistaprint referring to anybody. So ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let, let's um, let's keep going here We're, before you run out of time with us. Do you have any five-year goals that you know you want to hit so far, and have you hit any of them yet? Um, yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of goals, both personal, personally, professionally, everything. Um, <clears throat> within five years, I would love to have a second location of Beyond Bones Chiropractic open. Um, I would also like to have our the the main flagship, if you will, um, office in Coeur d'Alene at at least around 500 visits a week. Um, we're approaching 200, which has been um, really good for me. I've wanted to be higher than that, but we definitely, all the, we, like we said, the mistakes we made kind of um, stopped that growth a little bit in the middle, and we, we got out of that. And um, those are two, I guess, practice goals, if you will. Personally, uh, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I would love to have a book written in the next year, actually. And just take some of this stuff, like I said, the things I did right, the things I did wrong, and write it for chiropractic students to use as a sort of manual to read and to practice through school so that when they get out, they can at least have maybe avoid some of the pitfalls and and, and hit some of the high points that I did. Um, and I also want to speak – I always used to say someday I'll speak nationally. Someday I'll speak nationally. Um, I've been blessed to be able to do two TEDx talks, and then I also <clears throat> got went down to Dallas to speak at Parker, and so I guess that was my first 
national uh, speaking gig. So I achieved that this year, which was a really big deal for me. And now I'll be speaking in Vegas um, for Kairo Sushi Summit in May. So everybody should get their tickets to that because it's going to be amazing. Not because I'll be there, but because a lot of other amazing people will be there. Uh, Grant Cardone, Liam Schubel, and Jim Chester, and everybody. So um, that that has been a goal that I've accomplished that I want to continue to grow. Um, I want to speak globally now. Uh, the day that I get to fly to a different country and speak is going to be um, a really, really, really cool goal for me. So that I hope within the next five years. What? Um, how did you get hooked up with TEDx? I mean, I actually saw on your Facebook the TEDx video which was really awesome, uh, about 10 minutes, nailed it. But how did you get involved with that? That seems like a pretty big honor. Um, that It was a huge honor. And it was by networking, like almost all my other successes have been. Um, I was at a, let's see, it was a Dallas Catholic Young Professionals networking meeting and uh, that my my best friend, Jake Hyde, drug me out to it. I didn't want to go, but he, he drug me out to it. And we were talking. I was talking with a lady. Um, I, all I knew was that she worked for SMU. She asked me what I did. And, of course, I just vomited passion about chiropractic all over her, um, talking about how we see babies and how it's so important and how we work with the nervous system and it's amazing. And, and uh, she stopped me after about 15 minutes, I think, and said, do you ever speak on this? And I was like, oh, you know, I have, you know, we have a club. I speak in front of a few people. I've done some health talks. That's about the extent of it. Um, she said, well, you just seem so passionate and you seem so knowledgeable about it. I, I'm in charge of finding speakers for TEDx SMU, and I think you'd be perfect. And so I was, I was blown away, but I was also a little reserved, like, okay, sure, you know, like, right, TEDx, awesome. And she messaged me again in a month and said, applications are out. I really hope you'll still apply. I, I really think you'd be great. So I thought, I'm, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I applied. Um, I sent in the, the talk that I wanted to do, which was Dr. You, you know, ex your very own superpower in explaining innate intelligence. Um, and then a little video clip. And about two weeks later, they came back and said, we love it. You're in. Uh, which was, I mean, just that's when I actually became slightly scared as hell because now I'm like, oh, now I actually have to do this. Like this uh -huh. was a, it was a cool idea. Now I'm gonna, it's really gonna happen. Um, and she said we have two options. We you can speak to the TEDx adult, like an adult program, um, or we're also having a TEDx kids, which is gonna be about you know 800 kids, 200 adults. Um, which one would you prefer? And I thought if I'm going to be explaining innate intelligence and trying to trying to reach a lot of people, I think I'm going to have a better impact if I talk to kids. And so I chose the, the kids side, um, which was a great decision. I'm really glad I did because I was able to, instead of going up there and feeling like I had to present research articles and present data and present statistics, I just explained it and, and how simply you can understand innate intelligence and how our body's designed to work normally. It's designed to heal itself. Um, and explain that to kids as a superpower. Because look at Wolverine. That's Wolverine's superpower, right? He heals himself. Mm -hmm. um, we do that, just maybe not as quick as he does. <laughs> and so um, they they really resonated and connected with that. And it was a great experience. Uh, out in the lobby afterwards, I had hundreds of kids come up to me 
and I had a little quiz for them to fill out about the nervous system, about chiropractic and stuff. And they were acing it and they were doing so great. And um, it was really cool to see that impact made. And so um, just by being in the right place at the right time and and passionately and effectively communicating chiropractic, I was able to um, get that connection and do it on a big scale. And then when I was in Coeur d'Alene here, they had the first ever TEDx Coeur d'Alene. And I applied for that one as well, got that one. The video is actually not out on that yet. It's going to be released soon. But I spoke on millennivation and about how millennials are one of the most entrepreneurial generations in history and how our search for meaning um, beyond just the corporate nine to five has led us to create that meaning by starting companies and starting starting jobs. Um, and that one will be out soon too. So it's a great organization and it was a huge blessing to speak at, at both of those. Wow. That is fantastic. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, man. It's, it's just been nice to be able to communicate a message and, and talk to people. And don't get me wrong. If you watch that TEDx talk, you could probably hear in the first minute how terrified I was. Yeah, but you um, shook it quick. I, I did. I, there was a point where in my head I was melting and I had to make the decision between running for the exit and to keep going. Um, with anybody that wants to speak, when you have a why that is stronger than your fear – you'll be able to stand in front of anybody and, and deliver your message. And a lot of people think that if they are scared or hesitant or nervous when they speak, that people are going to boo them or, or not be impressed or something like that. When in fact, it's actually the opposite. You're supposed when to feel you that way. And you're terrified, but you still deliver your message. That comes off with such an authenticity and such a sincerity that people will j really, truly accept your message on a level deeper than if you go up and Tony Robbins it. Um, and so when people are afraid to speak for chiropractic in the public or afraid to um, you know, go do health talks, nonsense. Who cares if you suck? They don't. And so your message, when your why is strong enough, the how will find a way. And that's kind of how I got through that meltdown. Well, do you have any type of hobbies? Do you volunteer, anything like that to try to get a, a work-life balance? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Um, I think when you're opening a practice, the, the, the balance of work and life is an unbalance for the first year or two. Um, but I moved to Coeur d'Alene so that I could do the things I love. Snowboarding, primarily. Um, just this last weekend, for example, a buddy asked me on Friday if I wanted to drive to British Columbia and go snowboarding for two days. So I went. We, I luckily didn't have a ton of commitments Saturday, Sunday. So we left at 10.30 Friday night, drove three hours, crashed, snowboarded for two days, and came back Sunday by dinner. Um, perks of living two hours from the Canadian border. But um, snowboarding, for example, is something that when I am on the mountain and when I'm on the hill – my mind basically shuts down and it's my quiet place. It's my happy place. And, uh, it's just the snow and I, and that's, um, that's something that I've done to relieve a lot of stress when it's the summer wakeboarding or just being on the boat, um, surrounding myself with people that make me laugh. That's, that's where my balance. I also have an amazing girlfriend who is also my office manager and runs my life and my practice. 
Uh, her name's Cassidy, and she um, the she's able to create that work balance for me. She sees me working hard, too hard sometimes, and will tell me to stop it and go to sleep, or will make sure that I go and um, just enjoy a meal or enjoy time away from the office. Um, if I didn't have a checks and balance system like her, I'd be in the office probably 24-7 and sleep there and eat there and do everything else. But um, I did that when I first opened and I got a little burnt. And so having a having a good partner who can create that balance in your life and check you on it when you're not balanced, I think is is another important part of that too. Was that one of the mistakes that you were talking about before? Just kind of getting burned out? I would say the mistake I made was not taking care of myself as I worked my off to open. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't so much working my off that was necessary. And it was something that I'm, we, it couldn't have happened any other way. Those long hours, um, the first few weeks, especially was a necessity to fit in all the people that we had booked. And so that was needed, but I was staying up way past the time I got home to work on different things. Um, who knows what it would be. Maybe sometimes even just sitting on social media or, um, you know, staying out too late with friends, um, not sleeping, not eating very healthy, not exercising, not taking time to, I'm a big believer in morning rituals and even meditating now and, um, just finding a way to calm my mind and refocus. I didn't do any of that. And so I was push, 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 and I got sick and I got tired. And then when it came time to try to I guess really strengthen the practice after we had our big burst. Um, I was, I was exhausted. And so I kind of had to take off the gas for a few weeks. Um, couldn't, you know, didn't go to events and things that I probably should have because I was just so burnt. And, um, if I had taken better care of myself along that path, I know that I would have been able to do that and, and carry out that finish finish line, I guess, if you will, more successfully. Absolutely. You, you mentioned it, uh, meditation. Do you have anything else that you might do or, or what does meditation look like to you so that you are grounded and excited for the rest of the day? So morning rituals are big things. Um, one of my good friends, Alex James, taught me is getting up earlier, not half an hour before you have to rush out the door and be at practice. That puts you in that emergency mode, that sympathetic state, that stress mindset for the rest of your day. I now get up at 5, 5.30 every day. Um, take the time to eat a good breakfast, take the time to have my coffee, um, passion planner. I'll, I'll, I'll throw a little plug in for passion planner, which is a great planner. Um, just like a daily planner where I look at my week, I look at my day and I get a good understanding of what I have in front of me. How do I need to pace myself? You know, Oh, I need to get a good night's sleep here because I have a really long day Tuesday, whatever, whatever. Um, so I look at my week and then meditation for me isn't oming with legs crossed and fingers out. It's just sitting quietly with a focus of what I need to be that day. For example, let's say I wake up and I need to be um, focused, efficient, and a clear communicator. I would just sit in my head and say focused, you know, efficient, clear communication. And I would just kind of repeat that in my head a little bit. Um, and quiet my mind and just, just repeat that phrase. And then I'd even put in like, I am focused, you know, I am confident, I am clear, I am whatever. And bring that sympathetic state down to a level of confidence to say, all right, I got this. This is going to be a good day. 
um, that kind of like a mantra, I guess, if you will, or, or a daily affirmation, something like that. Those are powerful. Very powerful. And I, I do believe, absolutely. I mean, Think and Grow Rich is one of my favorite books, and which is, talks about that a lot. How to Win Friends and Influence People is the biggest recommendation for a book I can ever make to anybody. Um, but let's say in practice, I can also use meditation. Let's say it's even just on a, a quick lunch break or something. Um, if we're rushing and we're getting stressed or we're behind, you know, when I get five minutes to just sit and breathe and just bring yourself down for five minutes to try to switch off that stress response, it makes a big difference to move forward from there too. And so it doesn't have to be a fancy, um, levitating meditation, just time spent quietly in your mind. And we can waste five minutes on Facebook or Instagram in a hurry, but to just be quiet and just focus on our own mind for five minutes, it just, it's so hard for people to do, but it's way better for you than just mindlessness on your social media. Yes, I, I agree. And there's, there's, I've found mindless time on social media and there's mindful time on social media. Uh, and there's a difference. There's just mindless scrolling and then there's actually going to connect with people and building an audience and working on Facebook ads or working on content or something like that. And, um, it's hard to not get distracted by the mindless stuff. Are you doing much of the uh, Facebook marketing live videos, all that? I am. I'm actually doing quite a bit. That. I don't do live quite as much. Um, it's something that I actually want to get into a little bit more. But I really do believe a lot in the power of Facebook ads, Facebook content. Um, I'm working with a company called Chiropractic Unity right now. Um, so go check out Chiropractic Unity. They uh, have a lot of great content, but more so than that, they have amazing strategies for how to build an audience in your community, how to build a custom audience for Facebook ads, how to build um, the right targeted audience for maybe a, a video that you've made, um, how to convert that not just into likes, but into patients in the door. Uh, I would say right now we average probably around three or four new patients a week from social media, whether it be it, they're not often directly from an ad. It's from a post I made a couple weeks ago that maybe somebody shared and then their cousin saw it. Um, maybe it's, uh, oh, I've been following you since you opened and now I finally, you know, I finally decided to come in. Or, you know, oh, I saw that you posted how you had a baby that was, you know, getting adjusted for constipation. Well, my baby has constipation. Can I, do you think it would help? Um, that's the power of that social media and building that audience in your community is to put the stories and the miracles of chiropractic in front of people um, and to help communicate what and how we do it. Now, you spend a little bit of money on a Facebook ad and it can go in front of people who aren't your friends and, and go in front of your friends' friends. And that's where you can now get in front of thousands of people for $10. I mean, you want to talk about ROI ROI on social media advertisements is ridiculous. You have one new patient and it can pay for two months worth of Facebook ads. Um, that's, that's really what I think is important and where I am leveraging that quite a bit. I've been lucky to build, I guess, such an authentic um, page and local following that uh, I don't have to do a, a ton of organized scheduled plan stuff. I guess I can just kind of be myself now and, and people are, are really resonating with that. I think that's honestly the best possible option is when you can be yourself and show that on social media. Um, people want to connect with that because there's a myth that business and personal life should be separate on social media. 
unless your personal life is out of control, uh, I will argue the opposite. And I will actually say that business and life uh, and personal life are the same because you are your business. You are your product. You are whatever you are trying to sell. And especially in chiropractic, people are buying you more than they're buying an adjustment. Um, they, they're going to drive past five other chiropractors to come to your office. Why? It's because they want to connect with you. They want to, they want to resonate with you. They want to feel comfortable with you. And so if they can see who you are and, and what you're about by scrolling through the, your Facebook page, they can walk in those doors feeling connected to you and feeling like they know you and understand you before you ever even talk to them. And that's a huge and very powerful tool. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned going to all these events. I was, I was a part of a, a lot of different networking groups and would do all the chamber and all that kind of stuff. And when I would grab business cards, because you, know, you can get a lot in one night. Was, what are you supposed to do with all these? Yes. And sometimes it's like, okay, I can't do this many like one-on-ones over coffee. And I just took their card, LinkedIn, Facebook, LinkedIn, yep. Facebook. And most of them would friend you. So oh, yeah. now you've got a big business following of people that you may or may not even see again, but more than likely you will. And they'll, you'll both get brand awareness from uh, being each other's feeds from time to time. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I a good place to do that too is like home and garden shows or the big like health expos or all that stuff. I used to get there early um, or stay late and just walk around and make sure I got a card from every single person that was there. And they would pretty soon have a friend request from me and also um, end up in my, in my email news blast about my grand opening too. So um, if they're going to give out their card with their email, they're going on my email list. So (laughs) there's an unsubscribe button for a reason. So I purposely never put my email on my cards because I was like, (laughs) they got something, uh, what is it? scrupulous people that would just do crazy (laughs) things once they get all that information. I was like, just call me. Now you have to call me to get the email. All right. Last two questions. I don't want, I want to respect a little bit more of your time here. You're good. Don't worry. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. You mentioned a couple of books, but just to throw that out there again, any other favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that you secretly listen to or love and some that you would definitely share for others? Definitely. So number one is How to Win Friends and Influence People, the book. Um, I, my, I think, I think my, my mom actually gave it to me when I was in high school. Um, and I didn't read it for the longest time because I thought, oh, like I don't need to learn how to get friends or influence people. Then I started seeing it pop up everywhere as one of the most highly recommended business books. And once I started reading it, I realized why. It is just how to connect with anyone in any situation on a deeper level. And it has the best advice I've ever heard. And if I've ever said one thing is like change my life, that book has changed my life to not be cliche. But the reason that I can I think connect with people really well is largely because of that book. And so highly recommend reading that about three times. And then podcast wise, um, there's a number of different ones. I, I personally really love um, Sean Dill and the Black Diamond Club. Uh, he has a great podcast series there that he puts out each week um, just with packed full of amazing marketing and mindset knowledge that has really shaped me um, into – how I present myself in the community and how I, I guess, shape myself to be as most the most attractive as possible to the ideal people I want to see in my practice, um, and just having that confidence to to say no to people, for example, to to understand that I'm valuable, that I don't have to see 
every single person, that every single person's not going to be right. And um, let's say if somebody writes a bad review, if it's because you're doing what you do best, like, oh, this guy wanted to take x-rays. My gosh. Well, yeah, you know what? That's okay. That's not a bad review because you're going to have people come along that want x-rays taken and they're going to see that and they're going to understand it. And so just a lot of mindset stuff, um, Black Diamond Club and Dr. Sean Dill. Very good. Um, I was told to min- to call you Puppy Doc. Oh God, <laughs> Tristan, that better uh, not get on. I swear, in, in, when he posted my interview, he called me a Puppy DC. That's right. And I was like, really, man? Come on. And so now he's he's gonna try to he's gonna try to make that stick. I mean, your mom was giving Puppy Doc a, a how to win friends when he was 13 years old. I mean, that only makes sense. Gosh, right. I already get it for be- that's why I have the beard. I think I look a little bit older. This is the shortest it's been for a while. If I shave it off, I look fourteen. So <laughs> he said, "Just just do it." I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll fit it in somewhere." <laughs> uh, last question: As far as a phone goes, do you have any favorite apps for business? Our pleasure. Um, one, I guess, two apps that I use the most: um, Calendars Five, which is a different calendar app than is normally on the iPhone. Um, I like the way it's structured a little bit better. I like. Um, the integration a little bit better. I like the colors a little bit better. I like how it looks and how it organizes. Um, I also use Todoist, which is a to-do list application that I can connect with my girlfriend, with my office manager, with um, my personal assistant, with other people so that I can throw something on their to-do list You know, when we're not together and they see it, they get a notification about it. When they complete it, it comes to me, lets me know that it's been completed. Um, you can assign tasks, um, communicate under that to-do item, like uh, different notes for it if there's more information that needs to be said. And also it helps dump my brain out, yes. which I think the biggest things that anybody trying to do anything in the world deals with is you go to lay down at night and you got 15,000 things swirling around in your head. Um having a really, really quick app that I can say, oh, that's right, I got to get uh, Dr. Justin my my picture and my bio. And so I just whoop, throw it down on Todoist. Okay, you know, I'll do that tomorrow. And then it's out of my head. And then I do that all day. I just write down these things I got to do. And then maybe when I have five minutes, I'll go in and I'll organize them, prioritize. All right, this is what I got to do first. These can be tomorrow. This can be next week. So now I have three things. Then when I'm just you know, I have a, I have a moment to get something done. I go to that first to stay prioritized of what I do with that time. And that's helped me be, um, more efficient and get the, the things done I need to get done. That's an amazing app right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for real, I mean, that you got to stay organized. There's so much you can yes. do in a practice and it just falls through the cracks. If you just, <sighs> yeah, big time, especially when you're trying to do things both in and out of practice too. There's definitely no lack of irons in the fire. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, how can people get in touch with you? A number of different ways. You can go to our website, uh, www.gobeyondbones.com. You can check out our Facebook page. Just search Beyond Bones Chiropractic. Um, we're the one in Idaho. I think there's another one in Florida, actually. Um, or you can go to our Instagram, which is beyond underscore bones. Um, or you could even shoot me an email at drbones at gobeyondbones.com. Okay. Any closing remarks? Thank you so much for having me on. I think that so many people in chiropractic want to do great things. Maybe it's students, you know, want to open a practice and every opportunity we can have to let them know that it's possible 
to let them know that it takes hard work, but it's it's not impossible. Um, that's that's an amazing opportunity. And so thank you for giving me the platform and the chance to show what I did and share my story just to hopefully maybe encourage somebody that they can do the same. Absolutely. Dr. Bones, it's been a really great hour. I really appreciate your time. You really brought it today. So uh, uh, lots of success for 2017 and, and good luck with all these speaking engagements. I'm uh, I'm a little jealous. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Justin. I hope to see you sometime soon. Maybe I'll get to, maybe I'll get to speak in China. There we go. <laughs> Great time talking to Dr. Bones today. Beyond Bones. Yo, his logo is actually really, it's quite good. I never really thought of it like that before to, you know, maybe use it as a good marketing tool, looking fresh, looking hip, but also for anybody who's starting a clinic or just needs to amp up what they're doing, getting involved with Instagram, social media, and friending people and groups that are in your area, updating. I'm sure you can get your staff to do it so that you can become the go-to person. Good luck at the Cairo Sushi Summit and go big for 2017, everybody. Doctorsperspective.net slash one six is the show notes page. Travel tip is coming up at the end. They're ready. Paperback, Kindle versions are available on Amazon. As always, you can also snag a free copy if you'd like. A doctorsperspective.net slash free ebook. Today's choices, tomorrow's health, small steps to improve health, food choices, and exercise. Learn how to go from a couch potato or a weekend warrior and have simple steps kind of personalized just for you. Three different blueprints for exercise, how to cut some carbs without hurting yourself. A couple of changes in what and how you eat so that there's not a lot of extra willpower and self-control necessary to reduce how much you eat. 12 exercises, a 10-minute cardio that's better than 30 minutes, 3-minute stretching concept that won't make you roll your eyes in boredom, an ab routine you won't quit, exclusive Facebook support group, yes, and an entire section about a nervous system reboot discusses chiropractic subluxations and things like that. Look, if you want it, again, a doctorsperspective.net slash free ebook. It has a, a video explaining what it is, a little PowerPoint presentation in there, and put your name, put your email, and then you can make your choice. If you want to support the show, we have merchandise. We've got upper cervical chiropractic t-shirts. We've got podcast logo t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, as well as a generous buy the host of coffee PayPal button if you want to. No pressure. If you want to follow me on social media, the easiest way to find me is to go to a doctorsperspective.net. Look on the top right. It's kind of like a gray color. There's all the little social media icons. If you need to email me, I would love to hear your comments, critiques, etc. Justin at a doctorsperspective.net. Connect, comment, and I'll reply back. And if you can, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. Go to the site. Give us a review. Hopefully a five-star review, but let us know what you think. It'll help us with all the rankings, and we appreciate it. And if you happen to get any merchandise, definitely take a picture, post it on social media, hashtag behind the curtain, or you can do at whatever my tag is, and I'll definitely give you a thumbs up. The travel tip today. If you are traveling to another country where they speak a different language, don't assume they speak English. Make an effort to learn hello, thank you, maybe the short slang for bathroom, But just thank you and hello will go a huge way. They'll smile. They'll be happy. They'll be more courteous. And if they can't speak English, they'll try typically. Um, You know, you can go crazy and say goodbye as well and you're welcome. But trust me, 
it just it goes such a long way just say, learning those two words and they like it because they're like oh no no you said it you said it wrong try it like this it's fun we just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end i hope you got the right dose for your optimal life please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest a sincere thank you in advance You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.